Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. So in the words of that song, courage doesn't make your fear go away. It just makes you able to move forward. And we all need to move forward because we have something amazing that wants to come forth from us. And everybody's got fear. The writer Elizabeth Gilbert, I just finished her book, Big Magic, which is so wonderful. And if you've ever had a creative desire run through you, read that book. It's so wonderful. But she talks about when she was a little girl, how she was so terrified of everything. And not just, you know, afraid of the dark or things like that that a lot of kids are afraid of. No, it was ordinary things like snow, the ocean, answering the phone. And her, her mom was just, she just was not having any of this nonsense. And so if Elizabeth expressed a fear, like afraid of the snow, okay, you're now in charge of shoveling the snow. Afraid of answering the phone, okay, you've become the answering service for the whole family. And that's how she, that's how she treated it. And so gradually, Elizabeth was able to overcome her fear, and she said there was a, a turning point when she was 15. She, she isn't really sure what made that happen, but she became aware that her fear was boring. It was just so mundane. It was like having one of those stories where you write your own ending, and the ending was always the same ending. Or, you know, like I think about soap operas, and it's, you know, fade to the what? look on the face at the end of the scene, and it's just, it's always the same thing. It's so predictable. I used to, I used to come home to visit my mom after I moved out of the house, and the soap operas that I used to watch with her, it had been six months since I'd seen it, and in two minutes, she could catch me up on what had happened, because there was nothing original about it. So fear is like that. It's not original. Everybody has fear especially fear of the unknown. It just comes with the territory. So accept that it does and just kind of tuck it into your saddlebag, buckle it into the back seat, accept, accept that fear is gonna come along for the ride, but you don't give it the steering wheel, never. Do not allow it to rule your life. We are here to do amazing things in this world. And in order to do them, we have to take the leap into the unknown. We have to be willing to make mistakes. Albert Einstein said people that don't make mistakes usually don't make anything. You have to be willing to do that. Uh, and a quote by Elizabeth Gilbert is, Fear is a desolate boneyard where our dreams go to desiccate and die in the sun. Fear doesn't let us go anywhere. So ask yourself, how much is fear in control of your life right now? What are the things that you would be doing if you weren't afraid? Elizabeth talks a lot about inspiration and where does it come from and she says that inspiration is like so the Greeks and the Romans talked about a, a demon that 
was like a house elf. It was a demon of genius that was kind of hanging around, ready to collaborate with you and help you. And she said, inspiration is like that. She thinks of it as, as a disembodied living thing, an idea. And it wants to come and find somebody who will work with it because it's disembodied, so it needs us. And it, it will come to us and see if we're willing. And we have the choice choice when inspiration comes to say, yeah, I'll do that, or yeah, that's, go find somebody else. If we say yes, then we have, to, we have to treat it with devotion. We have to take one step after another and keep with it until we have seen it through to the end, or we will not create anything amazing. I remember reading statistics before I wrote my first book about how many people say, I'm going to write a book, and then how many people actually start writing a book, and then how many people actually finish writing a book. And the percentages were, um, it was amazing how far down they went. Very, very few. For all the books we have in the world, there are so many more people who have a book in them that they haven't written, but they say they're going to. What are you waiting for? I remember what I was waiting for with my first book. I was waiting for the equivalent of the burning bush to appear and say, you will write about this. And I never got that voice. So I, instead, I said, well, if I were going to write a book, what would I write about? And I thought, well, how people could be more happy. And then I said, well, what do you think you know about that? So I make a list of things that I think it takes. Those became my chapters. And that's, that's all it took, was to sit down and apply a little bit of gray matter to the situation and then, and then be consistent. I had a schedule. And I did that with my second book, too. There was a schedule of when I wrote, how much I wrote, and I kept at it. And I stuck with the first one. It took me two years. The second book was a lot shorter. It didn't take me that long. But the important thing is that, that you say yes to the inspiration that comes to you. You don't wait around. She, Elizabeth Gilbert has an interesting story about an inspiration that came to her, and she was going to write a novel. She had heard a story from somebody about um, this, there was a, a, some kind of a mining operation down in South America, and there was a problem with it. And so the person who owned it had a secretary who was secretly in love with him, and he sent her down to handle the situation in South America. She knew nothing about this, but um, anyway, it became quite complex once she got down there. So Elizabeth is like, oh, I love this story. And she starts writing it, and, and she's having a great time with writing the story, very devoted to it, has promised it like she does with every book that she takes on. I will give you all my energy. I will see it through to the end. But in the meantime, she's having issues with a relationship. I think there's somebody who's one of her parents maybe is dying, and so she goes and takes care of them. And so she has to put this whole project on hold for like a year. And before she can get back to it, she may even start doing something else in terms of writing in the meantime. But before she can get back to it, 
she meets this woman named Anne Patchett, who is also an author. They're both appearing on the same stage, and she is, she's just magnetized by this woman. She thinks she's amazing, and she goes up to her afterwards, and she said, I know this sounds crazy, but Anne, I love you. And Anne looks at her, she said, Elizabeth says, you know, that's, I just do this because I have no boundaries, but Anne does have boundaries, and so she looks at her like she's kind of a strange specimen, but then she breaks into this big smile, and she kisses her. And so that happens, and then they end up becoming really good friends, pen pals, because they live on opposite sides of the country, and they, they write to each other, and they, they just have so much in common. And one day, in a letter, Anne is telling her how she's writing this, this um, story about this mining operation in South America. And Elizabeth says, oh wow, that's so interesting. I, I was doing that too and I, I need to get back to it. Tell me about it. So anyway, the next time they get together, they're sharing stories about this and it turns out it's the same plot. All the different, all the, the circumstances are the same. It's the secretary hopelessly in love with somebody goes down to this mining operation in South America. And, and, and even where they lived, they were in North Dakota, something like that. So Elizabeth is like, how does this happen? This isn't a thing. You don't go and Google widows for, or secretaries from North Dakota who go to, who are in love with their boss and go to South America. You know, that's not a thing. But here, they were sharing that, and she believes that there is enchantment involved, and that when they shared that kiss, an idea was transferred, because she had not held up her end of the bargain. She had not remained faithful to the idea, and so the idea jumped ship, so to speak, and went to somebody else. I find that a really interesting idea, I remember one time a former husband of mine had a dream and in this dream he saw this wallpaper machine. And it was a really interesting concept before digital photography was a thing or, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be done with printing now that wasn't available then. And he had a manufacturing background and he was really toying with the idea of could he create something with this? But in the end, he decided not to do anything with it. And I'm sure it moved on and somebody else is, has created it because an idea has substance to it. Disembodied, but substance. So if you are playing with some idea, really consider if this is something that is worthy of your life energy. And if it is, then devote yourself to it wholeheartedly. Recognize that you are never alone. Whether you think of it as a house demon, you think of it as floating ideas and inspiration, is, whether you think of it as the almighty, all that is, partnering with you, there is a power there that is ready to come through you, but you have to take action. It can't happen while you're just up in your head. There is an amazingness. There are gifts that are in you that you must bring forth. In the Gospel of Thomas, it says, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring it forth, it will destroy you. It's that important.
besides devotion, it requires belief in yourself and love of yourself. I was talking to a client who I worked with for many years. And when she was first coming to see me, she was trying to get pregnant and she was having difficulty with that. And ultimately, she became pregnant and has a couple of kids now, but it took her many years to do it. And in reflection, she said that she wasn't ready for that then because now she feels com comfortable in her own skin, but back then she did not. She didn't like the person that she was. She had shame that was hidden away that she didn't know what to do with. And over the course of the time that we spent together as she unpacked that, she began to love herself. <clears throat> and I was thinking about the, there's a line in the Bible where it says, you don't pour new wine into old wineskins. And the reason for that is because the wineskins would stretch and they would get brittle because there had been wine fermenting in them. And so if you poured fresh wine into them, they would burst. Instead, you needed new skins. And it's like that for us, I think. We need new skins of consciousness. We can't pour everything that is good and true that wants to come forth. We can't deliver that if we keep the old skins of our consciousness that are filled with shame and unworthiness and self-hatred. So we have to bring our consciousness into a new state. We have to be proud of who we are. There's one last story that I want to tell you that also comes from Elizabeth's book. This is a story about an aspiring young man, an aspiring artist, who went over to Europe thinking that he would find the inspiration he needed there. And he's painting and painting and painting and painting, all kinds of painting. And, and one day he meets this group of <clears throat> also young people, but these people are more like the rich and famous crowd. They, they're related to who's who kind of people. And they kind of hit it off. And so they invite him to a party, and it's a costume party. And so he says, okay, he's, he's really excited, and, and they're telling him there may be some royalty there and, you know, that kind of a party. So he's, he's an artist, and so he spends a lot of creative energy into his costume. And, and so he's got his costume ready, and he, he drives to the event, and it's way out in the middle of nowhere, and he gets there, and he goes up to the door, and he rings the doorbell, and there's a very stunned look on the face of the butler who opens the door and he lets him in and he stands there and all of a sudden he has this horrified realization. He got it right that it was a costume party, but they neglected to mention that there was a theme. The theme was medieval costumes. And so all of these people are gathered around, looking like princes and princesses, etc. And our aspiring artist friend is standing there at the top of the stairs wearing a bright red lobster suit. So he could have, he said, just turn tail and run the other way. But 
he wanted to meet all these people. He wanted the opportunity. And so he said, hello, I'm the court lobster. <laughs> so the people were, went from stunned to laughing, and they just embraced him. And it, it, his was the best costume of the ev evening because it was so original. And, it, and he made wonderful contacts that night. But he had to be proud. He had to be content to be who he was in the situation that he found himself in. And that is true for us. We all have ideas of how we ought to show up, how, you know, the gifts that we have to give, how they should be offered, and they don't always come out that way. And perfectionism is not going to serve us. Perfectionism, Elizabeth Gilbert said, is just fear in haute couture. It's like fear wearing a mink and pearls, but it's still fear. Don't let fear be in charge. You are here to do amazing things. We as a community are here to do amazing things. And it requires each one of us to participate in order for that to happen. So I want to invite you right now to join me in this final song. And this, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> Some of you remember Janice Stanfield, this wonderful artist who came when we were still at the Grange, and she did some house concerts out in Jose's backyard, and she taught some guitar lessons to people. She, she's a wonderful, wonderful musician and humanitarian. And she has a song called Amazing Things. And all by itself, this is amazing. But wait till you see what we've done with it. Take it away. Thank you. 
expression of divinity, embodiment of poetry, a cosmic singularity. Just contemplate in darkness, the stardust formed into your hands, your face. Uniquely, you can't be replaced. You're right on time, in the right place, and you already have all that you need. It's all inside you. So go and do that thing that you were born to do. Amazingly. 